The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. The Jews murmured at Jesus because he had said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. They said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except him who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that a man may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever and the bread which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Gospel of the Lord. It is always, <clears throat> I found it interesting how certain other Christian denominations can have such a fundamentalist approach to Scripture, especially in terms of its literal interpretations. And yet when it comes to John 6, it's all spiritual, it's all abstract. The Lord is not speaking clearly. But we know that to be different. There is nothing, there's no way in which he could have said it more clearly. The bread which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. The great beautiful mystery of the Eucharist, the Lord giving himself to us completely the bread of life coming to us as we will all receive from the altar this same bread of life, the flesh, the body, the blood, the soul, the divinity of Jesus Christ, the entire Christ, his whole self, himself completely, we receive in the Holy Eucharist. The Lord is speaking of this bread from heaven, and I think it's helpful again to remember the context of what has happened. He has worked the miracle of the multiplication of the loaves, and many of the people whom he is speaking to here, they've come to him because they want natural bread. He worked a miracle by which he fed them naturally, and they've come to him now because they want some more of this material bread. And as soon as he mentions that the bread that he will give is spiritual and not material bread, they begin to murmur amongst themselves. The word there in Greek is very particular. This murmuring, this dissension, this speaking that they enter into amongst themselves. As soon as they are met with 
or troubled by the words of Jesus, or when he says something that is contrary to what they desire and what they want, they begin to murmur against him. So often they do not engage him. They do not take his words and try to ponder them and understand them. Instead, what they try to do and what they immediately do is speak amongst each other and they add fuel to their doubt. They add fuel and they encourage this type of activity within themselves by murmuring amongst themselves, complaining, detraction, slander, all of these type of things which the Lord does not want. And he points this out. He says, I am the bread which came down from heaven. I am the bread which came down from heaven. They desire material bread. And he says, I am the bread that you should be desiring. He is the one that we should all be desiring. But this highlights a great tragedy which so often happens. This same bread of life, this bread from heaven, is here in our midst. Jesus Christ is here. He is in every tabernacle and every Catholic church throughout the world. But if we were to go into that church during the week, would belief in his presence be manifest? Should not the churches be filled? Should there not be the faithful who claim to desire Jesus alone, and yet he waits patiently for those who claim to desire him? There is a problem here that is manifest and can manifest itself in our own spiritual life is the desire for material things over the things which come from heaven. How much do we really desire, desire Jesus? And how much does this desire manifest itself in our day-to-day -day activity? We need this bread from heaven. We need what comes from heaven more than what we need that comes from earth. But we have to, again, not fester in these other desires of these earthly desires, by this murmuring amongst themselves, we have to fix our eyes on Jesus and pray for the grace to desire what comes from heaven more than what comes from earth. How do we do this? Well, we have to practice it. There's an analogy that we can use that's sometimes helpful. The health of the body is very similar in certain ways to the health of the soul. And when the body is sick, the way in which we are normally affected if we are suffering from a particular type of sickness is we can lose taste for certain foods that we know will be good for us and that will help us and that will make us stronger. So also in the soul. When the soul is sick, it loses a taste for the spiritual things, for the things of heaven, for the things that it should desire. So how do we rectify this? Well, also with the increase of health in the body, we have to have discipline. We have to exercise or do things that increase the health of the body. It's the same with the soul. With the soul, we have to choose to discipline the soul, to feed the soul on the things that come from heaven, most specifically Jesus Christ himself. There is no greater gift we could receive from the Father than the Son. And this gift that we receive from the Father, we need to increase in our appreciation of this gift by giving him time. Time and an act of the will, that's how we train the interior. That's how we train the spirit. If you want, I always suggest and I always encourage the same thing, Eucharistic adoration. There's nothing greater that we could do in this life for the perfection of the soul 
then give the Lord time. Come and sit with him. What happens when we do that, when we sit with the Lord in Eucharistic adoration? What we're doing is we're saying, right, I'm setting aside all the things of the earth, all the other attractions, all the other things that I could go after, that I could seek, that I could long for, and I'm going to choose to be here with him, to sit with him, the bread of life, the bread which comes from heaven. And as I sit with him, what is happening is that I'm giving him time. I'm making a choice that endures for a particular amount of time where I'm going to choose the bread of life. And I'm going to ask him for the grace and by that activity to desire him as he should be desired and in the order that he should be desired. Because very often the Lord can become just one good thing amongst all of the other good things in our life. And that means that we are desiring him wrongly if that is the truth. He needs to be the greatest thing that we desire in this life. He needs to sit at the top of all things that we could possibly love. He has to be at the pinnacle. He is God. And so by spending time in his presence, we're exercising our interior. We're choosing him. And by that choice, our soul increases in health, if you will, because the object that our soul should desire, we are actually choosing that. And then what happens is that we also need to fill not only our time with Christ, but then our mind with him. And the most helpful way to do that and the surest way to do that so that we do not err. Sometimes what happens and the danger that we can run into is when our prayer life is not based on scripture and on the life of Christ, we can create a Jesus that actually doesn't exist. We can create an idol in our own mind that is not the Christ. But when we look at the gospels and we fill our minds with Jesus, what happens is, is that we come to know him truly, who he is. And so when we sit in his presence and choose to give him time, and when we fill our minds with him, because as the Lord says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. But he has also said in Scripture that no one goes to the Father unless by the Son. And so for our mind to be able to reach its perfection, which is God, we have to fill our minds with God. And the more that we fill our minds with him, the more that we want to seek him. Our mind is made for truth. It has an appetite for truth. And when we encounter truth himself, our mind will desire him more and more. But there is another effect to that activity. As St. Thomas Aquinas says, he says, the word breathes forth love. That's from the mystery of the Trinity, the Trinity itself. The Holy Spirit is from the Father and the Son. The word breathes forth the Spirit. The word breathes forth love. When we fill our mind with Christ, with the word, he breathes forth love into our hearts and kindles our hearts in love. And so what happens is, is that then we desire rightly, we love rightly, because we have come to know truly. And so just to recap what I am suggesting for all of us is the encouragement that we see the beautiful example here in this church, the encouragement to spend time with Jesus, to allocate time to him, to choose the bread of life above everything else.
but then also to fill our minds with him, to contemplate him in the scriptures, most particularly in the gospels, and then allow that work of being in his presence, of pondering him himself and truth himself, to kindle in our hearts right love. Because at the end of our life, we are measured by our love. When we stand before God in judgment, it is the extent to which we have loved that we will be judged. And that love must be love in truth. And that love must be a right ordered love. It must be love that is directed to the things that we should love. And the way in which we can measure that is by the commandments that God gives us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, the perfection of love. Now this is not, we cannot do this on our own. We require the Holy Spirit. As it says in the second reading for today, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to work this work in us, and we need to be docile to that. But there are things that can prevent this work, as we see from the second reading, and as we can see also from the gospel for today, which is let all bitterness and wrath and anger and all of the slander all be put away from you, all malice, and instead be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving, as God in Christ forgave you, imitation of Jesus Christ. But we cannot imitate whom we do not know, and we must come to know him so that we can love him enough to imitate him. So we need the Holy Spirit for this activity, this purification, and this sanctification within us. But also we need, as we see from the first reading today, the bread of life himself. He does not ask us to do things that he will not help us to accomplish. He never puts on us a burden that he does not put on himself as well to carry with us. When he is calling us to do all these things and to reach the heights of perfection, it is with his own assistance. And the assistance he gives us is not something that he has, it is himself. As we see with Elijah in the first reading today, it is this bread that comes down from heaven that sustains him on the journey. And so also when the Lord is calling us to perfection, to be more like himself, he gives us himself in order to accomplish that. And the way he gives himself to us is his flesh for the life of the world. Amen.